Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to City Church on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, it's supposed to get warm again. I was just starting to get excited. I don't know about you, but fall is my favorite time of the year. Um, I love, you know, the season starts to change. And I understand growing up in Southern California, for those of you who are from back east or in places where the seasons change a lot more drastically, I get it. But still, growing up uh, in Southern California, there's still something about when you finally feel that cool air blow in, the breeze, the, you know, the trees do change a little bit. Um, we really, they say we really only have you know, two seasons here in Southern California, but I'll take it. I'll take what we can get. Uh, but I heard it's supposed to be warm again today, and I'm not excited about that. So I was really, really hoping and really, really looking forward to this cool uh, breeze blowing that fall. Uh, October, November, you know, of course, leading up into to Christmas. Can you guys believe that Christmas is just around the corner? <laughs> I, okay, so there's two types of people in the world. There's people who do not want to talk about Christmas until Thanksgiving is over, and then there's the rest of us, right? Then there's the rest of us. I'm one of those people that, boy, the minute the summer is over, I'm all about let's talk about Christmas, I went to uh, the Philippines uh, some years back, and it was early October. So here, we hadn't even had uh, Halloween yet, right? And uh, went to the Philippines, and I was in the city of, of Manila, and I noticed that in October, they have Christmas lights and stuff up. And I have to admit, it was a little shocking to my system being from, you know, the United States and we don't dare put anything Christmas up, you know, of course, until after Thanksgiving. So I looked over to uh, one of uh, the, the gals that I was uh, with, um, you know, in, in what we were, the missionary work that we were doing. And I said, hey, I noticed you guys have all your Christmas stuff up, you know, so early. You know, why is it that you guys put your Christmas stuff up so early? And she turned back and she looked right at me and she said, why would we not be excited about the birth of our Savior? And I went, ooh, ouch, ouch. So anyways, I now feel justified in talking about Christmas. I know some of you are like, you know, I don't want to hear the music in the, in the stores and all that. And I, and I get some of that. But I do, being excited about celebrating the birth of our Savior um, that's what it's truly, truly about. So anyways, I said it. I've talked about Christmas in September. <laughs> I've been praying, you guys. I've been praying, and one of the things and kind of what led me to this sermon series that I'm calling Armor Up is I've really, really heard the Lord say, stand your ground. Stand your ground. You see, many of us, when we're under attack, many of us, when we start to feel that tension in our lives, when we start to feel uncomfortable, when we start, you know what I mean? When all of those kind of negative feelings start to come, our first reaction is to run, right? Get out. I want to get out of here, okay? I do not like being at Disneyland really much anymore because it's overcrowded, you want to know what my first reaction is? I want to get out. I do not like it. I do not like overcrowded places, places where there's 
lots and lots and lots of people where they're just, you know, you're bumping into people. I don't want to be there. It's, this isn't fun for me. And I look over at my wife, and she's so happy to be at Disneyland. She's like, we're here for Disneyland. Let's go do this. And then, you know, and I was like, I'm like, are you kidding me? We can't even see two feet in front of us. This isn't, you know, I'm smelling the people around me. This is no longer fun for me. Right? Our first knee-jerk reaction when we're in a place of, of being uncomfortable is, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here, and I want to get out of here. And by the way, that's kind of part of our nature. There's that, they call it fight or flight, right? Fight or flight, when, when immediately when you're presented with something and you think this is dangerous, this is threatening, this is, you know what I mean? There's either, they call it fight or flight. You are either going to stand your ground, and that's why adrenaline starts running and pumping through your body is because you're either going to have the strength to run away or you're going to have the strength, the supernatural strength, to stand there and fight or take on whatever is in front of you. And I feel that that's kind of where we're at as a people, as a, as a church, is that we're kind of in this place where the enemy comes along, and by the way, the enemy doesn't have any authority over you, but what he likes to do is he likes to agitate you, right? He likes to get you in those places where you start feeling your anxiety raise up, where you start to feel that fight or flight kind of come along, like I either need to stick this out or I need to run. And, and to be honest with you, some of us aren't sure what to do. Some of us aren't sure, should I stand my ground? And I really, really feel like the Lord is saying, clearly, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Basically, fight. Because to be honest with you, most of it's a smokescreen. Most of what the enemy tries to do to you are his lies and his, and his facades. And, and really, the minute you, you know, would tap back, the minute you would even press back, the enemy would fall apart in your face. If you only knew that. If you only understood that. John 16, says this. Jesus is saying... These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus is telling you straight. I used to think that once I became a Christian, or once I gave my life over to the Lord, or once I really started kind of obeying the Lord, that things were going to become easy. Guess what? That is a lie. In fact, Jesus even says, listen, you will face tough times. There will be tribulation. Jesus is specifically talking to his disciples and he want, he's, he's preparing them. He's saying, guys, it's going to get a lot tougher. There's a fight coming. There's a battle coming. And guess what? It's going to get rough. But then he says this. And this is what gives them hope. He says, but you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry about the world. You don't have to worry about what the world's about to throw at you. Because I have overcome the world. I've already won. You guys, this is how we need to see life. The victory has already been won. You're fighting a fight and you're going, man, I really hope that I'm going to win this. Or I really hope that this is going to happen. Or I really, really hope there's going to be breakthrough. Jesus has said, I have already overcome the world. The, the, the score already reads, Jesus won. Satan, you know, defeated. 
we need to start having that confidence that when we feel the pushback of the enemy, when we feel the enemy press in, when we feel him poking at us and, and distracting us and, and trying to weigh us down, that we were able to look him in the face and stand our ground and say, you will not push me around. In fact, I rebuke you, get behind me. Get out of my way. Get out of my family. Leave, you know, my house. Leave my school. You know, we have that kind of authority, but we don't take it often enough. In fact, too often we run and hide. Too often we say, oh, well, that's not me. I want to talk about the whole armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God, as it says in Ephesians. If you would open up your Bibles there. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. Paul is talking, Paul is writing, and, and, and Paul is actually in prison. And most likely what is happening is, is that, you know, Paul is a Roman. In fact, Paul's ministry, you know, a lot of it was to Rome. He was a Roman citizen. He understood Roman culture. So he obviously would have understood Roman military. Obviously, he would have spent a lot of time looking at soldiers because he was <laughs> handcuffed enough times by them. He was dragged off and taken to prisons enough by them. He had spent a lot of quality time with men who would have been dressed in armor, you know, Roman soldiers. So it was very natural. It was, in fact, if anything, it was a perfect picture as he's probably sitting there with nothing else to do and he's staring at one of the Roman soldiers who were standing outside of his prison and he thought, oh, you know what? I see something. I see something. And so he writes and he shares about it. He says this, starting in verse 10. A final word. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let me let you guys know something. You may be frustrated with someone. There may be somebody in your life who's ticking you off. There may be a coworker, a boss, someone you live with. You know what I mean? There may be someone in your life. But what Paul is saying that, listen, our fight isn't, though, against flesh and blood. Our fight isn't, you may think in the, in the visual, that's the person, that's my problem. That actually isn't your problem. It's way bigger than that. And that's the thing is we need to stop addressing everything in the physical, and we need to address things in the spiritual. We need to address things in the spiritual. And so Paul is trying to say, listen, our fight is not with flesh. Our fight is not with people. You know, that's the problem right now. Everybody's wanting to fight everybody else. I mean, our country is, is being divided. It's being split apart because they're seeing the fight in the physical, and it's not. What's happening in the physical is because of what is happening in the spiritual. And if we were to go straight to the source, if we were to fight the spiritual, then it would affect everything in the physical. Verse 13. Therefore, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. 
Here it is, verse 14. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Last week I used the illustration of uh, an American bullfighter. An American bullfighter is not a Spanish bullfighter. It's completely different. And I talked about how important it was that in the training to become an American bullfighter, which is basically, it's, it's a rodeo clown for those of you who don't understand, but they do way more than that. That's why they don't call them rodeo clowns anymore. But they teach them, don't, you don't run from a bull. You do not run from a bull. He is stronger than you, he is bigger than you, and he's got twice as many legs as you do. You don't run from a bull. You know what you do? You stand your ground. And you might be thinking, well, that's ludicrous. That's crazy. And what they teach him to do is, no, a bull is so big and bulky that if you actually get up right next to him, and in fact, if you get up right in the pocket of his you know, front shoulder, he can't move that fast when you're that close of proximity to him. He's got no strength at that point. Now, obviously, if he gets a horn hooked underneath you or something like that. But trust me, that's a lot safer place than running from him. There's a story in the Bible, and to be honest with you, these stories kind of go unnoticed sometimes. Have you guys ever heard of David's mighty men? You guys ever heard of David's mighty men? It's incredible if you read the exploits of David's mighty men. It sounds mythical. It almost sounds unreal what some of these guys have done. And, and it's funny because they, they actually even kind of break them up into groups. It said David had, there was the 30, right? There was this elite fighting group of the 30 that you did not mess with. But then it says there was the three. You thought the 30 were bad mothers? Then there was the three. These guys... These guys were even tougher than the, the 30. In fact, one of their names was Eleazar. Eleazar, when the Philistines were attacking, the entire Israelite army ran, except Eleazar and David. It says that Eleazar held back the Philistine army by himself. It says that he fought so hard and so long that he couldn't even let go of his sword after it was over. What courage, what strength, but he knew who he was and he knew who his God was. That is what's amazing about that story. And that's the kind of courage that we need. That even when the entire army ran, you know what it says afterwards? It says after Eleazar and David completely wiped out the Philistine army, then the Israelite army came back and plundered. Boy, do you better believe that Eleazar was looking at every single one of those guys as they were walking back in, picking up all the you know, gold and all the swords and all the, you know, all the plunder. You better believe he was shaking his head looking at them, going, where did you go? Do you see what I did? Do you see what I did? Do you see what God did? That is called standing your ground. That is called fighting back. Verse 15. Or I'm sorry, let me finish verse 14. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Verse 15. For shoes. 
Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent. Thank you. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. Paul says, I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. So last week, and I'm gonna kind of recap, last week we talked about two of the pieces of armor. And the first one that Paul talks about, please forgive me, one that Paul talks about was the belt of truth. Paul specifically starts with the belt of truth because the belt was the very centerpiece of uh, a Roman soldier's armor. It's where everything kind of started. It's where he would have kind of wrapped his tunic up in, you know, he would have girded, there's a, a term called girding yourself up, and that's just kind of where you cinch everything up. But it's also where his sword, his knife, any, any other pieces of weaponry he would have held, it's basically where everything would have clicked into, and it was the very, very center. And Paul starts and says that, you know, put on the belt of truth. Your belief system is at the very center of your faith. Whatever you believe, that's where everything comes from, right? So if you are believing the truth, then everything else can be stacked up upon that. And I talked about last week, well, what is the truth? The truth of who God is. You know, the God is the God of who provides. He is the Lord who heals. He is the, you know, the, the God of our, uh, you know, the Lord is our banner, our protection. The Lord, the Lord is our peace. He's our healer. The truth of who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the, you know, the Messiah. That he is the one who came and died on a cross, conquered death for us. And he is the one that will come back for his church and the truth of who I am, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know, can I tell you, I think that's almost the biggest one out of them all. I feel like we, we believe who God is. There's a lot of people who believe that there's a God. There's a lot of people who even believe, yeah, they, you know, Jesus was, yeah, definitely more than a man or, you know, things like that. You know what the biggest issue I think I've ever, ever seen in people is the belief in who they are. Because the problem is, is we still look at ourselves as the world dictates or as the enemy lies to us and tells us or our past or, you know what I mean? But the Bible says that we are a new creation, that we are children of the living God, that we are a royal priesthood. Why do we not walk around that way, believing that? Your belief system. The second piece of armor is God's righteousness putting on the breastplate, the body armor of God's righteousness. This is a very, you know, crucial piece because you're guarding all of your major organs, right? You're guarding your heart, you know, your, your liver, your lungs, you know, all these vital, man, one stab to any of those pieces and it's over. You, you're done, you're done for. So, you know, put on God's righteousness. This is, you know, if the belt of truth is the believer's integrity, then the, you know, breastplate of righteousness is the believer's purity. And you might think, well, Pastor Matthew, you don't know me. 
You want to talk about unpure, but that's not what this is about. This isn't about your purity. It's about God's purity, and it's about how he makes you pure. It's about his righteousness. That's what that means. Not our righteousness, his righteousness. And when we believe and when we accept his righteousness, that's when all of this becomes protected. That's when our heart becomes protected. Do you understand? God's righteousness is that he makes us perfect. Well, here we go. The next piece of armor. The shoes of peace. Put on the shoes of peace. The believer's tranquility. The believer's tranquility. You see, a Roman soldier would have had hobnails on the sole, very much like football cleats, because when they were fighting, they needed solid footing from which to move. And unless you have a solid footing of peace, you can never make war. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? When Satan comes against your tranquility, he throws out stones and briars of doubts and discouragement to cause you to stumble. Do you have peace right now? Do you have peace right now? I can't tell you how many people, when I, and I ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? I, you know what a lot I hear? Peace. Peace. And I thought to myself, man, there, there must be a, a war going on. There must be battle going on. There must be. But what I realized is, is peace, and, I, and I'm going to kind of circle back to this. Peace actually should be a byproduct of our trust in God, right? It should be our sure-footedness. That's why he, that's why he uses the picture of shoes. You know, you're. Whatever, if, if you were playing a sport, if you were fighting, if you were in the military, you know, better believe that, you know, you aren't going to wear some shoes like I'm wearing right now. You're not going to take dress shoes to the battlefield, right? You're not going to take dress shoes to a football field, to a soccer field, to, you know, whatever. You need to have the appropriate shoes because that is where your sure-footedness and, and when you're wearing the right shoes, then all of a sudden, there's this peace that comes with that. Like, I got this. I got this. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't know why my mind immediately went to the song by Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Anybody remember that song? All the kids are going, what? They're going to go home and Spotify it right now. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry. Remember that? It was not just such a, you know, a great song. Don't worry, be happy. You know, that's it. All your troubles are going to go away. Don't worry. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about it. Philippians 4, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, okay, so it doesn't just say don't worry, be happy. It says don't worry. Instead, instead of worry, fill worry up with this right here. And he's about to give it to us. Instead, Pray about everything. Pray about it. What are you worried about right now? I bet you we could go to every single person in the room right now and say, what are you worried about? And you would all give us a laundry list of the things that are concerning you, the things that are causing anxiety in your life, the things that are weighing you down, the things that are stressing you out. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him. See here, hold on. It's not just praying. It's not just asking. And thank him for all he has done. And thank him for all he has done. You see, I've learned to 
kind of pull myself out of some of those negative funks that I get myself into is I start listing all the great things that God has done. Whether it's in my own personal life, whether it's in other people's lives, or, or you know, what I've read in his word, or you know, just understanding who God is. When you start focusing on the positive, right, then you're no longer focusing on the negative. The war of our mind, right? Don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, here it is. Once you've done those things, then you will experience God's peace. See, when I tell you or when you tell me, Matthew, pray for peace for me, to be honest with you, okay, but if you're not doing these things and, you know, exactly how, how you know, Paul is telling us to do that, you're not going to experience peace. I can pray for peace for you all day long. But if you're not going to God with your requests, if you're not trusting in him, and if you're not giving him all the praise that he is due for the things that he has done, you're not going to receive peace. Peace is a byproduct, right? It's, we keep looking at peace as something to obtain when really peace should be something that when we understand who God is, it should be a byproduct of that. Are you, are you following with me? I want to talk to you guys really quick about a personal story where, I, where I've kind of struggled with this kind of peace and anxiety in my life. For me, I don't know what it was, but I have a really, really hard time falling asleep. Night, nights for me are like I almost, I, I do not look forward to when the sun goes down. I don't look forward to when nighttime comes around because all of a sudden I start, anxiety starts to, to come over me. Uh, when, um, when Bella was a lot younger, I would literally have, I would check on her four or five times a night. I would get up out of my bed, I would go into her room and I'd check on her, and then I would go and I'd check the front door and make sure the front door was locked. I would go check the sliding door and make sure the sliding door was locked. And I would just, I would do this constantly, I would do this for several hours, and then when I would lay my head, I was worried, did I not check something? I must have missed something. There must be something. I would get back up, and I, this, guys, became a routine, a routine. I would have major anxiety at night. I couldn't rest. I couldn't quiet myself because even when I laid down, I felt like something bad could happen, and it could be all on me because there was something I didn't do. And I didn't discover what it was until I sat in a counseling session. I sat in a counseling session, and I was telling, you know, I was telling, you know, this person, you know, I have, you know, anxiety, and so they're like, okay, so they kind of very, very lovingly just kind of backtracked with me. They're like, how, well, how long has this, you know, been going on, and blah, 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 blah. I came to find out, I came to find out what the source of my anxiety was. My parents, when I was young, my parents would fight at night. When my brother and I went to bed, they would scream, they would shout. I heard things thrown. It was terrifying for a little five, six-year-old who didn't understand what was going on. When I finally realized what the source of my anxiety was, and I finally started to, get over to give it over to God, and I finally started to say, you know what, God? I trust you that no harm is going to come to me. I trust you that, you know, whatever bad things may have happened, that 
those bad things are gone. Those bad things have moved on. I'm telling you today that I have found so much more peace at night that I can finally lay my head and not think of all these negative things or not have these anxieties that I have no clue where they're coming from. That once it was kind of revealed to me, I was able to say, you know what, God, I trust you with this situation that, this, that nothing bad is going to happen to me, that nothing bad is going to happen to my family, that nothing bad is going to happen to my, my girls, my kids. I trust you, God. It says this, that peace comes from knowing and understanding the good news. Acts 10.36 says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Their peace comes from knowing, you guys, from knowing that you are loved, from knowing that you have been redeemed, from knowing that you have been saved from something, right? from knowing that something bad isn't going to happen to you. That's where peace comes from. Again, it's like a byproduct of understanding the good news that Jesus loves you and that he has your eternity secure. Your eternity secure. That's where the peace comes from. Peace be still. Peace be still. Does that sound familiar? It's from a story in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. I love this story. I love this story. The story goes like this. All the disciples are in a boat, right? In fact, other scriptures say there was even several boats, that it wasn't all just one boat. But basically, here they are. They're out on the water again, and a storm comes. And the storm is raging. The water is literally coming up over the boat. It's tossing the boat around. They are out in the middle of the sea, and they are afraid for their lives. This is a bad one. This is the one. This is the one that's going to, you know, that we're not going to be able to make it home tonight. This is it. This is where it happens. And guess what Jesus is doing? Guess what Jesus is doing? He is sleeping. He is sleeping, okay? Now, first of all, I don't know anybody who could sleep on a boat that is being, you know, literally tossed around on the sea, okay? That's amazing in and of itself that he was asleep. Now, obviously, that shows his exhaustion of his ministry. But then this happens. Then they go and they wake him up and they say, Lord, Lord, how in the world are you sleeping? We are going to die, They say that to him. We are going to die. And Jesus gets up, probably stretches a little bit, probably rubs his eyes, pats him on the head. He stands up and he says this, peace be still. And the storm stopped. And then he turns to them. And he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And the story kind of stops there, but there's something in that question. And here's what I almost want. Did Jesus need to calm the storm? I think he kind of did that for them. He didn't need to calm the storm because he said, why did you doubt? Here's where I'm going with this. The God of the universe 
the creator of the wind and sea, the creator of the world was in that boat with them, right? How often do we do that? How often when we you know, are going through tough times and going through trials and, and, and the, the storms seem to kind of build up and it looks like, oh my gosh, this is looking terrible, I'm gonna die. And when the God of the universe is sitting right there, do we scream at him and say, are you gonna do something? Right? Are you just gonna sit there and sleep? And he's going, listen, I'm here. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. This is not where my ministry ends, out on the Sea of Galilee. But see, they didn't know. They didn't understand. They didn't know and realize that they had the God of the universe in their very presence. He didn't need to get up and calm the storm. He didn't need to. He did because he wanted to show them who he was. He wanted to show them, you know, that they're knuckleheads and they were freaking out over nothing, he was going to get them over to the other side no matter what because he's God. You guys, the only place that you will find peace is in the presence of God. The only place you will find peace is in the presence of God. And some of you, some of you need to understand that even though you see a storm around you, that God is with you, that Jesus is not leaving you, he's not abandoning you. That's where peace comes. That's where we find peace in the knowing, in the trusting. You see, I believe when we don't have it, it's a trust issue. I don't know that I trust you, God. I don't know that I trust you. That's where this anxiety comes from. Because either I feel like I have to do it on my own, or I feel like something has to happen, or I feel like, you know what I mean, the planets need to be aligned in just such a well, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. You're, You're kind of saying, I don't trust you. God is saying, trust me. Trust me. Ask me. Bring your requests to me. And then you will find peace. And then you will receive peace. Peace is also one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, patience, peace, right? It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we can be in a situation that could be extreme chaos and yet find peace. And by the way, I've experienced that. I've experienced the feeling of being in the middle of a storm, you know, obviously more of a spiritual storm, not necessarily a physical storm, and finding God's peace. I feel like that there's a lot of you, and by the way, I'm one of them, that you're you're looking for it. You're hunting. You're, You're feeling like, gosh, I want that peace. I want it so badly. But what if I told you that you can find it even in the middle of your storm right now? That you think, well, it's not, I'm not going to find peace until the storm goes away. That's sure that God wants to take you to a deeper level of trust with him. 
how about finding peace in the middle of your storm? Not waiting until, you know what, once the storm ends, then I'll, have, then I'll feel better. Then my life, I'll really get my life going. God's saying, I want to take you to a deeper level with me, a deeper level of trust with me, a deeper level of healing with me. I want you to experience peace in the middle of your storm. Will you bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me? I want to pray for you. But I want to ask you this question. Is that you? Is that you? Would you say, I feel like one of those disciples on the boat. There's a storm. And I'm wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Why have you abandoned me? Why am I going through this? Why am I suffering? And Jesus would turn to you and say, why are you doubting me? Why are you not trusting what I'm doing? Do you not know that I am the God of the universe? The God of the earth and sea? Sure, could I make your situation go away? Or could I build a faith in you like never before. You see, I am doing something in you. I am doing something with you. I am doing something through you right now. And if I were to take your storm away, then what I am doing in you would not be complete. Because then you would just go back into being safe. But I want to walk you through this storm. And I want to show you who I am. Who I am. That you do not need to fear. That you can stand against your enemy. that you can run and not grow weary. That you could see miracles happen in your life. It starts with trust in me. It starts with your belief in who I am. Lord, that is our prayer today. That is our prayer today. That we would trust you in the storm. That we would trust you in the storm. That we would believe your word.
I believe that's a word for some of you. That the reason why God hasn't answered your prayer is because he's doing something. See, we want everything fixed all the time. We want, we want pain to go away. We want, you know, we want to get back to this, this place of safety that we all think. But God is saying, no, I want to take you to another level. I want to take you to a more intimate place with me. That word picture is for you today. You are on that boat. There's a storm raging around you. But Jesus is in the boat with you. And he may not be ready to stand up yet and say, peace be still. Because he's strengthening. He's teaching you. He's walking this through with you. One of my favorite parts of the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, stores my soul. But this part right here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. I am with you. I am with you. And I will not abandon you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. 